All right, if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, I just uh, want to look at two verses. We've been over these verses, but the Lord's laid another message on my heart <coughs> that I want to bring from them. I titled tonight's message, Involvement. I titled it Involvement. I want to look at verses 17 and 18. So if you'll turn there with me, beginning in verse 17, Nehemiah, speaking here, he said, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words uh, that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Let's pray. Father, thank you. All right, I want to talk about involvement. And uh, when I was reading through this, the Lord just laid it upon my heart to kind of bring forth a message about getting involved and and what involvement uh, we want to try to get others uh, into here at Calvary. And I, I think about involvement and how crucial it is in the ministry. And a growing church or a ministry requires uh, people who are in leadership to reach out to others and encourage them to get involved uh, in the local church. And you say, well, how is Nehemiah dealing with this? Well, he had to encourage these people to get involved in building this wall. And uh, you can imagine uh, they were in, in such a state and in such a condition that the walls had been broken down and uh, they didn't have the materials or the money or the means. And yet God used Nehemiah not only to acquire uh, what they needed to get the wall done, he had already done the assessment, he had already checked everything out, and he came with a plan, not his own, but the one that God had provided for him. And he came with a plan through prayer and through fasting. And then he came, and when he came, he didn't talk to the rulers right away. He didn't talk to the leaders right away. But he went out, and he assessed the work to find out what needed to be done. And as he began to assess the work, he then came, and he began to speak. And this is where we pick up in verse 17 and 18, when he begins to speak to the leaders and to the people. And the leadership, when you consider leadership, it must be willing to get others involved through encouragement and teaching others truth. And one of the things that we have to do in a local church today is, there was a time when you could just ask people, would you be willing to do this? They'd just jump in and do it. And uh, we live in a, in, a, in a society today where people like to know, one, what you're asking of them. And number two, if they're getting involved, what kind of commitment are you asking me to have? And so helping them better understand things and understand what we're asking them to do. So when it comes to most jobs, no one will ever do the job the way you want it done. I promise you that. I get my boys to help me mow the lawn. My boys do not mow the lawn like I want to mow the lawn. Uh, I can get them out there, and I'll tell them what I want done. And uh, I used to call it, boys, we're going to go out, and it's uh, green and clean. And so, and I would say clean and green because I wanted the yard cleaned up first because I needed all my wrenches back before they were underneath the lawnmower. And uh, so, but just teaching people how to do things. And so it takes time. It takes some effort. But I'd go out, and regardless of what the project is, it takes some time to go and teach folks things. And it's important to teach and train others. And, you know, with my, with my boys, I've had to teach them how to use the weed eater. I've had to teach them how to restring the weed eater. I've had to teach them how to not run over tree stumps with my lawnmower because it affects it and not to hit rocks with it and all those kinds of things. But just training them and teaching them how to do this. And so there is time uh, to train and to teach. 
And to involve others, it requires an investment of time. And I don't know how many times I've shared with my boys how to do something, and how many times have you taught one of your children something, and you have to teach them all over again? And you've told them, you've taught them, you've shown them, and then you have to go back and do it all over again. Well, the same is true in ministry sometimes. Sometimes folks are new to ministry, and sometimes you teach them some things, and you have to go back and retrain them and reteach them and show them how to do things. And to involve others, it requires an investment of time. But uh, when I think about it, it's not only our children, but you think about a new employee. You have someone come into a, a, a job or a new job. What do you have to do to that person? You have to do what with them? You have to train them, don't you? You have to teach them how to do the job. And, and along with that, you have a new ministry worker. Well, what we need to do is we need to train them how to do the work of the ministry. Just because someone's saved doesn't mean they know how to do the work of the ministry. So you have to train people how to do these things. So when you start a new position with a company, think about it. They supply you, first of all, with a position description. They tell you what they're asking of you. You, you applied for the job, and, and then they, you take the job, and they give you this position description and say, here's, here's what we're asking of you. Along with that, a lot of times you get policies and procedures, and it says, here's the policies and procedures that you need to follow. And so when you think about this, what God desires for the church to be done is all things to be done decently and in order. And so when we think about new people coming in and we're trying to get them involved in the ministry, we need to show them what we're asking them to do. And then we need to maybe get in there and help them. My pastor used to put it this way. He used to say, uh, what you do is you go in and you teach and you let them watch you. And then what you do is you, uh, you teach for a while, they watch you. Then what you do is you let them teach and you watch them. And then what you do is you let them teach. And he said it takes time to build leaders, and it takes time to build people, and it takes time to build teachers. And by the way, folks, it takes time to really build a church. And so when we're trying to accomplish these things, we've got to do it decently and in order. And this is not required, you know, uh, when you think about your children at home. You don't have to have policies and procedures and position descriptions. But just when you're trying to get your child to help you mow the lawn, you've got to show the child what it is that he needs to do. You've got to show them how you want it done. And they don't always get it done the same way you want it done, but you can at least teach them and train them how to get it done. And this is true when you're asking individuals to make a commitment in a job or a ministry area. You've got to teach them. You've got to train them what you're asking them to do and not just try to throw them into it. So here's the challenge for us. When we're having folks get involved in the ministry here, are you investing in them? Are you investing in them so that they're able and understanding what it is that we're asking them to do here at Calvary? And so I challenge us tonight, when we're asking people to get involved, be willing to work beside them or help them for a while to help them better understand what we're asking of them. I believe when Nehemiah saw this great undertaking of the building, the wall, he understood that he's got to get others involved. And if we're going to do work here, if we're going to reach people with the gospel, we've got to get others involved. We've got a membership here that just astounds me but we need to get the members of the church involved. And, and there's, there's so many people that fluctuate in and out, but how do we uh, get a hold of them? How do we get them to the place where we're encouraging them to be a part of something and to take ownership in the church? And so this is what Nehemiah was trying to do. He must get others involved to accomplish God's work as the Lord directed him. And, you know, even if it's a mother or a father or a ministry leader, learn to get involve others. Uh, stuff my wife used to do initially used to bother me a lot. And I'd think, why are you doing it? It's just taking so much time. But she would teach the kids how to do their own laundry. <laughs> you know what my kids do today? They do their own laundry. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. Even Emily. 
and they go in and they do their own laundry. And I used to get frustrated because she was taking the time to show them how to put this stuff in the washing machine, how much liquid soap to put in there, and how to do all these things. And I used to get frustrated. And then it was how to empty the dishwasher and refill the dishwasher. Now, we've got a lot of work to do in that area. But we, we, we did teach them how to do this. And so uh, now to get them doing it. But she taught them how to do these things. And the same is true no matter what you're asking of some, some, someone. You have to train them. You have to teach them. And so whether it's a mother or father or ministry leader, you've got to learn to involve others, whether it's children or other members of the church, to accomplish the will of the Lord. And believe me, it's the will of the Lord for my children to empty the dishwasher. When working to get others involved, a leader will have to be clear on what he wants. So you have to, first of all, tell them what the purpose is. And then you have to tell them why, and then you have to give them the how. And that's what we're going to look at what Nehemiah did here. First of all, he initiated what the purpose was. In verse 17, he said, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, and how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And he said, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that there be no more a reproach. So what was the purpose? Well, he's saying, look, we've got a problem, and here this lion weighs. So the purpose is, is to get everybody together to see what the situation is and how they have to fix it. And when it comes to the purpose of the ministry, it should grow out of our commitment to the Lord. And I believe with all my heart, Nehemiah was committed to God. He was committed to the Lord. Now he's coming and saying, hey, listen, I want you folks to get committed now. And, 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 and when we do this commitment thing, we need to get others involved in the commitment that we're doing here. So remember that people are more important than programs, though. And I, I believe this with all my heart. Sometimes we get so focused on the program, so focused on the project, and we get so focused on what we're doing, we forget the people. And one of the most important things in ministry is people. Amen? Without people, you don't have a ministry. And so the most important thing you have are the people. And so we need to get focused on the people. And so if we're trying to build people, then there are times when folks come through the door, they're new Christians, they don't know anything, and it takes some time, it takes some investment, and we have to train them and we have to teach them. We not only have to lead them to the Lord and help them get to the place where they get baptized and join the church, but then trying to get them involved in ministry, it takes time, it takes effort to get this accomplished. And so what you do is you begin praying for these folks, just like Nehemiah prayed, you begin asking the Lord to give us wisdom and how to teach them and train them. And you encourage them to get involved in some areas. And so when you do that, God begins to grow the work. Our philosophy of ministry should be the same as Christ. And he was about completing people or maturing them through things. He, he wasn't just about completing things through people. And sometimes the ministry gets that way. I just want to get the job done. So we just need people here. So we just get this done. And listen, Saturday is not about that at all. What I'm praying for is God complete some people, amen? Not just use people to get some things completed. And whenever we go and we get these functions, these functions are for the purpose of really energizing folks and encouraging them and helping them and helping them see their uh, need that Christ wants to use them in the ministry and all of those things. It's not just about getting the function done. And, and by the way, when we get that focus program projects, getting this done, boom, 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 boom. We lose sight of what God says is the most important thing, and it's people. The most important thing we have in ministry is the people who come. And so we need to turn our focus toward that. To put it another way, and I thought about this a little bit, soul winning is important. How many of you agree that soul winning is important? But you know it's not more important than teaching someone how to win a soul? 
It's just as important to teach someone how to lead someone to Christ as it is to lead someone to Christ. Because we need to build the workers. And so to do that, sometimes you have to teach, you have to train. And so it's as important if you already know how to lead someone to the Lord, maybe get someone that you can come up alongside of and say, hey, would you go make a visit with me? And you begin to teach them and train them how to lead someone to Christ. It, you know, the pastor can only do so many people at a time. I can do a class in a, in a local church like this, in a local church setting. But it's so much better to grab someone and say, hey, go with me. And I want to show you how to do this. <laughs> and we get together and you begin to teach them and train them how to do this. So if we want to develop workers or we want to develop soul winners, remember that soul winning is important, but it's not more important than teaching others how to lead people to Christ as well. So when we look at this, this comes from the teaching in Ephesians. If you'll turn there with me real quick, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you something in Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody with me? Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, that word for the perfecting of the saints is to help the saints be more complete in what they're doing. The role of the pastor is to help the people, like all of us sitting in this room, not that the pastor doesn't go and do some of these things, but that he helps and trains and teaches you how to go do these things. And then what he says in this passage, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. It's not just that the pastor was hired to do the work of the ministry. It's that the pastor has come so that he can help complete the saints that are in the midst that they themselves get involved in the ministry. And when he goes on, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What happens is, is it creates unity and that edification of the body. And what, what has to happen is, is that as we work together and we train people and we bring people in and we encourage them to get involved, what happens is the ministry begins to grow. People begin to take ownership whenever you teach them and train them how to get involved. And when you know what you want them to do or you're asking them to do something and you tell them what the commitment is, you tell them what the position description is, you tell them what you're asking of them, it changes their thinking. And they begin to understand what it is that's being required or being asked of them. And so you begin to train them and you begin to teach them. And so in Ephesians, he tells us that it's for the perfecting of the saints. So God desires for uh, the pastor in the local church to help the saints and perfect the saints or to help complete them so that we can do the work of the ministry. Now, I believe Nehemiah followed this New Testament principle. It wasn't written yet, but I believe he followed it. And when you look at this, you can see him doing this. And that principle, before it was written, uh, merely following the Lord's leading and the onset of the project until its completion, we can see Nehemiah, and you'll see this as we go through the book, you'll see Nehemiah continually encouraging, training, and teaching these folks how to do what needed to be done so that the wall could get completed. Now, <clears throat> the primary purpose of involvement is others begin to take part in the ownership and in its completion, and when you want more people involved, then involve more people. That's what you have to do. If you want more people to be involved, we have to involve more people. That's why I like doing things on Sunday mornings. I like to get the church involved. And all of a sudden, people 
take notice of what's actually happening. And so you want to get more people involved so you begin to bring things forth on Sunday mornings so they know what's happening. And you communicate the goal that you have. A leader has to remember it's not always completing the goal either. We're not just trying to get to an end. <laughs> Saturday's not about getting to an end. Saturday is about reaching people with the gospel and those that are there doing the work of the ministry at that time, be an encouragement to them. Walk up to them, thank them for their help, uh, be considerate, be kind, reach out to folks, let them know you appreciate that they're there. And, and what it is, is as you begin to do that, they, they begin to see what God's really trying to accomplish. And God's trying to accomplish people, not a project. God's not just trying to accomplish a project. Listen, it wasn't about the parting of the Red Sea. It was about the hearts of the people before the Red Sea got parted. Amen? And so it has to be a change of thinking. And so we have to change how we approach things. And a leader has to remember it's not always completing the goal so much as helping complete the person, even allowing them to struggle at times. My pastor used to let me struggle through situations. I'll never forget this. He called me and he said, Bobby, he says, I need you to run out to the hospital. And I had never been to someone's deathbed yet. And he said, the gentleman has, has passed away. They revived him. He's in a coma. He's out at the hospital. I need you to go. I'm going to tell you, Brother Chris, I never prayed so hard in my life. I'd never gone to someone's deathbed before. And I had to go in and meet this family. And pastor put me out there to do this thing. And, and, and I was struggling. Now, had I gone and made visits with pastor? Gone and visited six pe people with pastor? Yes. I've heard what he did. I watched him. I, and, and I think it went from now I've taken him, I've taught him, and now I'm about to release him because I've watched him talk to people in the midst of situations, but I'd never been to a person's deathbed. Now, I didn't get expected to release on that date, but I had to go out there and talk to this family. I never prayed so hard in my life that God would give me wisdom and clarity of thought when I walked in to try to talk to this family to encourage them over the fact that their father had died. They had revived him, and he was in the hospital. And, and praise the Lord, some amazing things happened, and it wasn't because I prayed. It was just God worked in that family's life. And he not only recovered, after having been dead for six minutes, they revived him, and, and they, he came back to life, and he was perfectly fine. And it just blows a gasket for you to think someone being dead for six minutes. And the reality is, is I went out there and I began to talk to the family. And I, I remember the verses that I went to to try to encourage them and try to help them. And, and by the way, when you bring encouragement, sometimes they're standing there scratching and they're thinking, what are you talking about? Because I was in 1 Thessalonians and God says, everything, give thanks, right? It's the only verse that would come to my mind. And I said, you know, here he is. He's not, he's not dead. He was on a machine. The following morning is when he woke up. But that night I said, you know, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's the only thing that would come to my mind. That was the message I gave to him. And I thought, I wonder if that's what pastor would have said to him. But the thing of it was is he wanted to put me out there now. And sometimes that's what we do. We teach them. We train them. We show them. And then there has to be that point. Talk about a struggle. It's an amazing struggle. And sometimes you have to let them struggle a little bit, and then you come back alongside of them. So I went and met with Pastor and I told him, I said, hey, Pastor, listen, this is what I said to him. He said, huh. And he walked away. And I chased after him, and I said, now, Pastor, is that what you would have shared with him? He said, not exactly, but I think you did okay. <laughs> and, and the thing of it is is that he was just kind of teaching me and training me. He didn't want to say it was wrong, because if God had laid it on my heart, that's what God had laid on my heart. 
So be careful with people. Don't be so quick to judge. Let them make some mistakes and then help them through it. Now consider this tonight. There's a tendency to get so focused on the end that the people and their spiritual development is forgotten. But the purpose is always to help others grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18 teaches us that. The purpose of involvement also includes the home. You know, whether it's lawn mowing uh, or it's uh, decisions being made that's going to affect the entire family, involve your family in those things. Don't be afraid to do those kinds of things. Uh, Taking advantage of each other, be careful of that. You know, sometimes uh, we get involved in ministry and, 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 and we just start taking advantage of our family and just, boom, we want everybody uh, to get involved. And, and they don't always do it, but, but what you want to do is not take advantage of them, but ask them, would you like to help with this? I could use your help. And start getting people involved in that way, in that manner, and involving your children in the ministry. I used to take the boys on the bus route all the time. I used to take them on visitation with me all the time. And, and I told the boys, I told them this, I said, listen, I want you guys to know just because you carry the name Christian uh, doesn't mean that people who say that they're a Christian uh, always walk as they should with Christ. And the very next door we knocked on, a guy came to the door. When the guy came out, I began to talk to him. He said, I don't believe in, in God that way anymore. I have my own ways in which I believe in God. And he had, his body was just completely covered in tattoos and he had those earlobe things hanging down and all that kind of stuff. And the boys were just standing there like kind of mortified. And then the guy began to tell us how he went to Bible college and how he went to Christian school all his life and did all of these things. And by the way, Christian schools and Bible college doesn't make you a Christian either. Amen? One thing does. Jesus Christ. So I began to witness to the fella there at the door. And he said, I've been through all of this already. He said, I already know all these things, but what a lesson for my boys. Sometimes getting your kids involved in the ministry, it opens their eyes to things that they normally wouldn't see. And so be willing to take them with you on visits. We'll be willing to take them out and involve your children. So the primary purpose of involvement is to help develop others spiritually. And I believe this requires the investment of others in, their, in, in giving of your time to be able to do that. When I see Nehemiah here, then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. What did he do? He said, let me tell you what's wrong, and let me tell you the purpose. (laughs) The reason that I'm here is so that we can rebuild. And so he's trying to encourage them. Second thought is this. A leader clearly conveys the reason for the work so that others get involved. So what is the why? Well, the why is simply this, that we be no more a reproach. That we be no more a reproach. He said, this is why we're doing this. And the reproach was not just against the nation of Israel or against Jerusalem. It was the way people viewed God. And so part of all of this was him having a desire to want to rebuild this work because he wanted God's testimony to be strong as well. Involving others is work, but it allows you to train others and to help the work for the future growth. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.2. The Bible says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Men, what we have to do is look around and see who's attending. And you say, well, they need to be in every service. No, I'm talking about people that are becoming faithful too. You can come up alongside those folks and you can encourage them and help them. So what is the purpose of that? Well, the Bible says here, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Chris, I'm reminded of the testimony that Paul Sturwald gave in the office there that day. 
right? You got a testimony, don't you, brother? So what is wrong now? Brother Chris come up alongside Paul and try to encourage him. Now Paul's off on uh, a hiatus now. He's on the highway. I don't know how many days a week. But Chris is checking into him. Now here's the thing. Chris's life influenced that man. <laughs> and so what I'm sharing with you is when you think about the why of things and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. This man's heard of his testimony, heard of what he's done. Now Chris has an opportunity. Mike, you have the same thing. You're over there at True Value. John's right over there. John's been to this church, right? Now you have a testimony, brother. And now you have an opportunity to reach out to them. Same thing with you, Kathy, with JoJo. She's been here now, right? Now you have an opportunity. Uh, Miss, Miss Connie, you have Lisa Engel, who you keep working with. I know you're working with her, but keep after it. But here's the idea. Let's keep doing that. Let's keep reaching out. Miss Lori texted me the other day, and she said, Pastor, what time is that thing again? She's trying to get students over at the school to come. And, and, and you know, I'm grateful for that. But that's reaching out. That's getting involved. And listen, the more we do that, the more our spirit is like that, the more exciting it's going to be for us. Continue to reach out to people. Take the opportunity. And listen, when you involve others, it gives them a sense of belonging. And all of us have that sense of wanting to belong to something. I mean, why do they have the Knights of Columbus and the, all the other VFWs and uh, whatever else I can think of that they got out there, area something? And, uh, you know, they've got all these things that people can go and commit to. People want to belong to something. Now, I joined the Rod and Gun Club next to my house because it's within walking distance, and I like to shoot guns. I'm not going over there to greet those guys, but I've been going over because I thought, well, you know what? Since I'm a part of this, I can reach out to them. But, you know, when I go over there, it's a beer fest most of the time, so I'm not looking for guys drinking beer and shooting guns, amen? And uh, so the thing of it is I try to go over <laughs> without them doing that kind of thing. But what I want to do is I want to reach out to people. So I'm trying to figure out how can I do this. So when they do have events and activities, uh, you know, I try to do it when they have children there, but I found out they even drink when they have kids around. And so, you know, kids, guns, and uh, alcohol don't mix. And, uh, but I, I, I'm trying to reach these people with the gospel. So I leave tracks around, and I try to talk to them about the Lord. But everybody wants to belong to something. So when a person, when a person knows Christ, I think there's a joy in them. And part of that joy is, is now they want to do something. I remember when I got saved, I wanted to do something. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to do something. And so, you know, I talked it over with Pastor, and, and he said, I got, a, I got something I want you to do. He said, I, I know you want to get involved. And, so, and I thought, man, this is going to be big. This is going to be something, man. Pastor asked me to come over, and I'm going to go get involved in something. So he brought me over and took me into the men's baptismal room. And he said, now, Bob, he said, just look around for a moment. Now, I thought he was going to ask me to, you know, preach. or Man, I, this is going to be a noble thing that he's going to ask me to do. And he said, this place is a mess back here. And he said, you know, for years I've been trying to get this area cleaned up back here. And he said, you know, the music people, they come back and they just throw their books back here. You see them all? Oh, yeah, I see them all over the place. And the towels are just in disarray and, you know, the robes are just all mixed up. He said, you know what I'd like for you to do? He said, I'd like for you to just make this place spotless for me. Could you do that? Really? Now, I want to tell you, very prideful person when I got saved. And God humbled my heart. And I thought, why would this man ask me to do that? So I went ahead and did it. And I went to him and I said, Pastor, I said, it's done. I said, I got it all done. And he said, well, that's great. 
thanks. He said, would you start working on the lady's side too? So I go over and I do the lady's side. And of course, there's all these flowers and bouquets and all these things right there. I'm trying to straighten it all up, got it all straightened out. And I went back over and I said, Pastor, I said, I got the ladies' room done. He goes, well, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate that. And I thought, no, you got to come over and look at this now. And he said, well, I really appreciate it. He said, listen, I got to go and uh, I'll take a look at it a little bit later. How's that? What it did was show me that what he was asking me to do is learn how to be a little bit humble about things. You know, sometimes we have to help others. There was a joy in me, and I wanted to serve the Lord, but then there was this idea of this. I had something in mind. And yet God said, no, I don't think so. And then I watched my pastor. I thought, how could he possibly ask me to do that? And I came over one day. <clears throat> he had a stick about, about yay long, and there was a nail on one end of it sticking out. And he had a, he had a trash bag, and he was walking around the church, and He's just picking stuff up and sticking it in the bag. And I came over because I was really excited and I wanted to share with him about the business I was going to start and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Pastor was just picking up trash and I was trying to get to him and trying to get him to pay attention to what I was trying to tell him. And finally he stopped. And, and I'll never forget this. He looked up at me and he said, Bob, what you're about to do, do you think it will make you draw closer to the Lord or push you further away from him? And he began to pick up paper again. <laughs> Didn't say another word. I wanted to impress pastor is what I was trying to do. And he wanted me to get my focus on Christ. God changed my life in a few days after that event. And it's too long a story to tell. But I remember the joy that came into my life after I really learned what it meant to serve the Lord. And it didn't matter what I was doing as long as I was serving God. And I began to think about the biblical truth and the need to get others involved. You think about Gideon involved 300 soldiers in Judges 8.4. Nehemiah involved all of Jerusalem in the building of the wall here in 2.18. David involved his mighty men in 2 Samuel. Moses involved 70 men in Numbers. And Jesus involved the 12. And then I began to think about the early church. It involved 120 in Acts 1.15. And then I began to think about us and the responsibility that we have to involve people in the ministry, to get them involved. Let me give you this verse, Ephesians 4.13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I began to think about the fullness of Christ. And the one thing I realized is my Savior was a servant, was he not? My Savior served. And in so serving, he <clears throat> felt the need to teach those disciples. And there were times they didn't quite understand what, they, what Jesus was doing. But the need was to teach them and to train them so that they could do what needed to be done. And you think about how those men were used of God to turn the world upside down. Because someone took the time to just teach them and train them. I think sometimes we let fear or pride prevent, prevent us from involving others. But when we do that, we stunt the growth of the church because pride and fear get in the way. And, and we're afraid to get other people involved. And what we've got to start praying about is, Lord, who can we get involved? Who, who else can we ask to help us with what we're doing? 
I think Nehemiah had a great task ahead of him, and the only way to accomplish it was to work with God's people to get it accomplished. And so he turned to them and said, here's the need, and then let's get people involved. The last thought is this. A leader clearly conveys by what means the work will get completed if they want others to be involved, and that's the how. And he says in verse 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I believe a leader must involve others, and it starts by revealing to them your actions, your intentions, that they understand and know what you're doing and where you're going. This year, I really want us to get a hold of the fact of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, last year, I asked us to, to really get to the place where we grew in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when I first came, I talked about striving together in the unity of the faith. And the things that I'm asking of Calvary and asking of us as a church body, and I clued myself in that, are those things. And we have to reach people with the gospel. If the church is going to grow, all of us have to take a, a concerted effort to, to do something about it. Now, I know what happens over time is that you know, you were probably used to a time where you went out and you did visiting and you did all those things, and that's kind of went off the scene. But the thing of it is, is to re-engage ourselves and to re-engage our minds into how do we reach people with the gospel. God has great things planned for Calvary Chapel. I believe that with all my heart. And what we have to do is just get motivated and start showing people around us the how. How is it going to happen? It's going to happen by us reaching people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A leader will get others involved by demonstrating to them some things. One of the things it takes is integrity and honesty. It takes some character to do those kinds of things. And they need to see that impartiality, that courtesy in our lives. A leader will recognize a standard like this, not in a passive way, but in a, but in a very active way, in a, in a way and in a means of their conduct, how they behave and the things they do and the things they involve themselves in. And that has to do with pastoral leadership in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, but also church leaders in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 14. So the how of getting others involved, what does it include? Well, one of the things we have to do is lead by example. We have to be the example. We have to be those that say, okay, we're going to do this because we love the Lord. And you're doing it out of sincere heart that you really love God and you want to get involved. And then I want you to think about this, demonstrating characteristics of godly uh, um, character, and that is that integrity, that honesty, that impartiality, and then having the character of Christ just shine through in your life. And how does that start? I believe it's personal prayer. I think that's how it started with Nehemiah. He got alone with God and he began to pray. He began to fast and began to ask the Lord, Lord, change me. Help me to be prepared to go do this work that you've called me to do. And when he calls us to do a work, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be convenient or it's going to be easy. But if God's called us, we'll have the peace of the Lord in our hearts about what we're doing. And so as we seek to do the will of the Lord, ask him for the guidance to come from Christ. A leader should always have the desire to help others, but build their lives on the scriptures, not on my personal thoughts. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? And helping to build their lives on truth. When a church leader and members work in unity, I believe it promotes the Lord. I think it strengthens the body. It strengthens the church. And each of us have been given a responsibility to be an example to the believer. I believe that's exactly what he did here when he said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. They'd already seen what Nehemiah had done. And he began to do the work. But you can write these verses down. We're not going to turn to all of these tonight. But men, we have a responsibility to teach the younger. We have a responsibility to teach the younger. 
It's in Titus, and in Titus chapter uh, 2, verses 1 and 2, and also in verse 6. The Bible clearly shows that the men of the church, the more mature Christians in the church, have a responsibility to teach the younger. The younger there isn't just about the age of the person, but it's in the maturity of their life as a Christian. We have a responsibility to do so. And ladies, you have a responsibility. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, it very clearly shows that the women of the church have a responsibility to teach the younger. The word younger there has nothing to do really with the age of the individual. It has to do with the fact of maturity in their Christian life and reaching out and teaching to them. And then in Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, it tells all of us as believers that we have a responsibility to be a pattern, an example to the believer. That word pattern is the word typos. It's where we get our word typewriter from. When it says a pattern, it's an exact image. And he says we're to be a pattern for them, something that they can duplicate, something that they can reproduce, something that can be shown in their life as well. And so God teaches us to be those kinds of people. So as leaders, we need to learn to motivate. But don't just motivate. Motivate them by the word of God. Show them what the Bible says. Teach them what the scriptures show. And and getting them involved, helping them find their place in the work of the ministry. Nehemiah said, here's our purpose. (laughs) He said, man, this place lieth in waste. And he said, we're going to have to get together and we're going to have to do this work. He said, we're in distress. And he said, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. And then he told him, he said, let me tell you why we need to do this. He said, that reproach is upon us. But then he said, let me tell you how we're going to get it done. God's hand is upon me. God has provided what we need. Now we need to come together as a group and work as a whole to get this job completed. And so they strengthened their hands for the work. Let's pray. Father, thank you.